0: We have two Bible readings this morning, both of them from the letters of Paul, both of them written by Paul, one from Romans eight, verses fourteen through seventeen, which is found on page seventeen, one thousand seven hundred and fifty five in your pew Bibles. And then I'll read one verse from Colossians, Colossians one twenty four, which is found on page eighteen twenty nine of your pew Bibles. And uh, we're in the middle of Lent. We're in the middle of our Man of Sorrows series where we're thinking about suffering and the place of suffering in our lives and what the Bible teaches about suffering and what the cross means for our suffering. Uh, It's a really challenging topic. I think I found it challenging as I've been trying to write these sermons and today's is I think especially challenging. These are some really interesting and unusual things that Paul says here and they put us in the middle of a deep mystery. Let's listen. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, says Paul. That's us. We're the children of God, he's saying. Good news. The Spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by that Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, Spirit testifies and Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now verse 17, which is where the interesting and difficult thing happens. Now, if we are God's children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And now flipping over a few pages Colossians 1 verse 24 there's Paul talking about his own suffering and he says this remarkable thing now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the church this is the word of the Lord. Okay, so did did Romans 8 verse 17 just say that if we want to see Christ's glory, if we want to experience his glory, we have to suffer? We have to choose suffering? Is that what Paul just said? We are heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ if we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glories. It sure sounds like Paul is saying that if you want to get to the glory and if you want to prove yourself a true heir of God, child of God, we must share in his sufferings. And if that's what Paul is saying, is that really what you want to hear on a Sunday morning? I mean, you're all busy people. You're all people with stuff in your life, with concerns, with worries, with suffering. And you, you made an effort to get up this morning and put yourself together and you got your somewhat reluctant kids into the car and you brought them to church and now here you are. Did you come here so that the minister could stand here and say, or is that Paul could stand here and say, you must suffer? Peter, I thought you were a minister of the gospel. I thought this was a place where good news was preached. How is this good news? We are heirs of God, co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory those are remarkable words And, and i mean listen paul is not saying that look you have suffering in your life bad things will happen to you but don't worry god will get you through that's not what he's saying he's suggesting that these sufferings that he's talking about are things that we will choose to engage okay There's a choice being made here. If we share in his sufferings, we'll share in his glory. The implication being that if you don't, if you choose not to, if you avoid them, sufferings of Christ, you are not on the path to glory. And this isn't the only place where Paul says stuff like this, okay? This is hard, but it's not the only place. If this were the only place, maybe we could just sort of write it off, but it's not. Philippians 3, 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ he has to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. I want to know the participation in Christ's sufferings. I want to participate in them, he says. Or here's Peter, 1 Peter four thirteen. Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice that you participate in them so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And again, there's this tie between somehow the sufferings of Christ being a part of the path to the glory of God. And then finally, one more, although there's more than just this, one more that I'll read, and that's Colossians 1.24, the passage I just read, where it says, and this is really amazing, because what Paul seems to be saying is that there's some part of his suffering that completes Christ's work. Christ's work is not completely finished, but when he suffers, he somehow completes something that Christ is doing. Listen. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, he says, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. Somehow, my suffering completes something that is not yet completed in Christ. What do we do with this? What does this mean? What is Paul teaching us about sufferings, and glory, and the work of Christ. I I hope to make sense of this for you. It's really hard. This is not going to be easy. I hope this is clearer for you at the end, and that I don't make it more muddy. But it's really important, and I think if we can get our head around it, if we can begin to, to see this mystery a little bit, we really position ourselves to be God's people in this world and to live the difficulties of our lives. Before I get to what I think are the specific instructions about what it means to share in Christ's suffering on the way to glory, let me make two qualifiers. There are two things I want you to understand so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And The first thing I want you to understand is that Paul is not saying, and I am not saying, that suffering is good. Suffering may be part of the path to glory, but I'm not saying, and Paul is not saying, that those terrible things that are happening to you, your cancer, your loss, your dementia, whatever tragedies in your life, those are secretly good things. They are not. The Bible is really clear that suffering and death are a result of sin and human injustice, right? Those things came into the world because of human sin. So they're not not good things. Nevertheless... In Christ, something changed with respect to those, because what Jesus did when he came to this world is that he took suffering and death and made them the tools of his redemption, right? Cross, perfect example. The cross is an evil thing. It is an instrument of torture. It's a horrible thing. But Jesus takes that terrible, evil thing and turns it into a tool for his victory And for his glory. And somehow. We can do the same thing with our sufferings. Even if they're chaotic. Even if they're awful and evil. There is something that we can do with them. To turn them into a tool for victory. Let me also clarify. Second clarification. Which part of Christ's sufferings. We are able to share. I'm talking about hey. Let's share in Christ's sufferings. That's what Paul's calling us to. But there's only part of Christ's sufferings we can share. Okay? On the cross, Jesus carried two things. He carried our sins and our miseries. There's a distinction to be made between human sin and human misery. Really important distinction, a theological distinction. It's in the Catechism question and answer Two. Question and answer Two. you've got to you know how great your sins and your miseries are. What's the difference between sins and miseries? Sins are the things that you do wrong, the transgressions of God's will that displease him. Miseries are the results of your sins, the pain that comes from those sins. So the sin is a parent who raises her child and emotionally abuses her. The Misery is the insecurity and fear that that child lives with their whole life, right? Sins and miseries. When Paul talks about us sharing the sufferings of Christ we cannot share Christ's suffering for sin on the cross Jesus clearly bore our sin there's nothing in our suffering that is part of that atonement for sin what we're not saying is that when Paul says that that he fills up in his suffering what is lacking in Christ's afflictions like he completes some work in Christ he's not saying he completes Christ's work for sin he's not saying Jesus took care of 80 percent of our sin And then we got to deal with the last 20% with our suffering. No, Jesus paid it all. Clear teaching of scripture. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not the part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more, right? The whole of our sin is taken away by Christ. Christ bears all our sin. Our suffering doesn't have anything to do with that. But the misery part, that's different, Christ paid the debt of our sin. Our sin is taken from us. Is all our misery out of us in this world? Do we we see an end to misery in this world? No. One look at our prayer requests in our bulletin, one look at the evening news, and we know that there is lots and lots of misery left in this world. And it is here, in dealing with the world's misery, that we can share Christ's suffering. Christ shared the suffering of the world on the cross and we too can share in that suffering and bear part of that misery in ourselves. It's here that we can take this bad thing, this terrible thing, this evil thing that's come into your life and use it to win a victory. Use it for something that has kingdom purpose. How exactly does that happen? I want to share three things that I think are deeply scriptural. First, When it comes to dealing with your suffering, the most important thing you can learn to do, which is a Jesus thing, is to learn to absorb. Think of yourself as a sponge. When you're in Christ, you are like holy sponges. And when misery spills into your life, when some terrible thing comes into your life, you have the power to go towards that thing and to sponge up to absorb some of that misery and possibly take it away forever. Think of your suffering from a spiritual perspective to get get a sense of this, okay? Every time suffering comes into your life, you are in a spiritual battleground. And the evil one wants you to do one thing, and Jesus wants you to do the other thing. What the evil one wants you to do with your suffering is to amplify. When suffering comes into your life, the evil one wants you to amplify it. So that means... You amplify your suffering into rage, into anger. You amplify your suffering into a posture of fear. You amplify your suffering into grievance or entitlement so that you stomp through this world angry at everyone and everything. That's amplification. That's what the evil one wants you to do. Jesus wants you to do the opposite. He wants you to absorb. That's what Jesus did on the cross, right? On the cross, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. On the cross, there is this enormous act of absorption. Christ takes into himself all the sins and misery of the world. He does not amplify. If Christ had amplified the misery that fell on him, there would have been an explosion of judgment that would have consumed everyone. He does exactly the opposite. He takes all that pain and all that sin into himself and he absorbs it, and what does he return it with? Grace, forgiveness, light. And in so doing, he sends the powers of evil spinning. Absorption. And this is what you can do too. When you experience some terrible misery, You can do whatever you can with your little bit of sponge to absorb that and to return it with hope, to return it with grace, to return it with light. And you could do this with the misery that falls on you, but most especially if you have any strength, you can do it for the misery that your neighbor is feeling. You can move towards them because, and I know this is true for some of you, it's fine to talk about me. It's fine for me to talk about absorbing, but some of you have had so much misery in your life, you say, Lord, I cannot absorb all this. And you're right. But those of us who have a little more strength, we we, we can come alongside and we can absorb a little of what you got. So that together we can take this darkness and turn it to light. The longer I'm a pastor, the more I realize that so much of my job is just absorption. And it's true for you too. So long as you have pastoral work, and we're all called to be pastors in our own way, so much of that work is just absorbing, just coming alongside people who are hurting, being with them, absorbing what they have, and then trying to speak a word of hope, trying to speak a word of comfort, trying to speak a word of light into that place. And when we do that, we are doing the work of Christ, and we are doing something that is so strong, in Christ, you are a sponge and you can absorb the darkness. One qualifier here, and again, this is complicated. I, I track with me here, but it's important. When we absorb what you absorb, it's important to understand and distinguish between the sin and the misery. We can absorb the misery of others, but we sh- cannot, nor should we, absorb their sin. All right? So so if someone hurts me, I can absorb the pain of what they did to me, but I ought not to absorb their sin and just let them get off the hook, right? You see what I'm saying? We absorb the consequences of sin, but we always go after the sources. So same thing with other kinds of misery. If cancer comes into this world, if we lose a friend to cancer, we absorb the pain of that loss as a community. We don't stop fighting against the cancer. This is how Christian forgiveness works. Right? What is what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is somebody hurts us and what do we give up? We give up the need to make them hurt like we do. We absorb their hurt. We absorb the pain of what they did to us and give up our need to hurt them back, but we don't give up the truth. We don't let them just get away with what they're doing. We confront them for what they're doing, right? We absorb the misery. We do not absorb the sin. So, the first way we can, we, can, we can deal with Christ's sufferings and we can share them and do good is, is through absorption. And the second thing, which is tied to it and is critically important, is, is we can lament. And in fact, if you absorb, you need to lament as well. Because if all you do is absorb in this life, if all you do is take in other people's fear or your own fears, uh, you will break you'll be overwhelmed, you'll become hard, you will become bitter. You need to offload this stuff. Once you absorb with your sponge, you need to squeeze it out and get rid of some of this stuff. And you do that through lament to God and to each other. And again, this is Jesus. Jesus doesn't amplify, he absorbs, and he, he also laments. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? When he feels overwhelmed, he throws it up to his father, and he shares it with his neighbors. Remember, he invites Peter, James, and John in the garden. He says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay and watch with me a little bit. He tries to share a little bit of his pain with his brothers. If you just absorb all the pain in your life and never share and never lament, you will get hard. You will lose your vulnerability. And vulnerability is critical to love. And so when you absorb, you also lament and you also share so that you can be God's person in this world and stay in the place of love. Finally, the last part of our sharing in Christ's sufferings, we absorb, we lament, and then we learn to rejoice. We rejoice in our sufferings. We don't rejoice for our sufferings. We don't rejoice for the thing that's happening to us. We rejoice in the face of the thing that's happening to us. We rejoice in spite of the thing that is happening to us. And this too is a clear call of scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. 1 Peter 4. Rejoice that you are participating in Christ's sufferings. And here's what that means. You're going through a terrible thing or you're standing beside a friend who's going through a terrible thing you absorb the pain you lament together and then with tears in your eyes you get up and you say hallelujah you say Lord I still trust you you still sing the songs even though you don't understand and even though you're hurting terribly and when you do that you are living Romans 8 17 you are sharing in his sufferings, and you are experiencing his glory at the same time. What does that look like in real life? Let me close with a picture, a story, where I think all these three things come together. And it's something I saw when I visited B. Hook when she was in hospice. Over at, uh, She was at, at Meyer Hart when I visited her. Her hospice had just started she was in one of those big rooms on the fifth floor, and I went up to see her. I know not all of you know Bea, a member of our congregation who passed away about a month ago. I went up to see her at Meyer Heart in one of those big rooms, and the place was jammed. There were like 20 people in that room, and it was all her kids and her grandkids and Jim, and everyone was there. And they were terribly sad because of the pain of losing mom, grandma. They were absorbing. They were absorbing together the pain of this loss and each other's pain. They were lamenting. They were telling God how hard this would be. They were telling each other. But they also experienced God's glory. B was in hospice in the hospital for a couple days, and they when she died, her son John was reading Psalm one sixteen to her. And he was reading through the song, and then he got to verse 15, which many of you know, which says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. At that moment, B Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. At that moment, B died. Now, I don't think that was a coincidence. I don't think that was a coincidence at all. I think what that was, was God seeing some people who were lamenting, who were absorbing, And so who gave them just a little flash of his glory. I give that to you now as a reminder to you and all of us that we too will share in Christ's glory when we pick up our cross and faithfully walk his path. Amen. Lord Jesus, you know the path is hard. Lord Jesus, you know that this room is, is, is filled to overflowing with suffering and need and questions. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you shared our sufferings and you paid for our sins. We would not be able to go on without that. Thank you, too, that we have this community of people who can help us absorb these things people to whom we can lament and and share our sorrows. Lord, we pray that you would help us along, keep us faithful as we do this really hard thing, keep our eyes focused on you, and bring us quickly to the day when our pain is gone and there is only love and glory. Amen.